are listening to Fast Track Podcast, the place to be to fast track your personal finance or fast track your business or both through a series of conversations with those who have learned it, done it, and made it. The Poor Swiss is a 30-something software programmer. He blogs about personal finance and financial independence in Switzerland. On the Poor Swiss website, he shares his tips and experiences about how to save money, manage money, and invest money using the best tools. Through his blog, he records his personal journey towards achieving financial independence and shares with tens of thousands of readers monthly. In this episode, we talk about what motivated him to start his blog and his journey to financial independence. Hello, Swiss guy. <laughs> I call you Swiss guy, or how would I call you? Oh, Swiss guy is fine. Hi. Okay. How Hello, are you doing? Swiss guy, welcome to the Fast Track podcast. Thank you very much for having me. For the audience, he remains to be anonymous, so his name will be Swiss guy in this podcast. <laughs> And so I know that you have a finance blog for a long time. And how did you start it? Like, when since when did you started to have interest in personal finance? So, I always had a little interest, but I, I guess my main interest started about uh, a bit more than three years ago. I realized that my finances were not as good as I thought before because I did not really track it well. Fortunately, I tracked all my expenses, but I did not track like my savings rate. And even though my income was increasing, I was saving less and less of my income each month. And at this point, I realized that ah, something is wrong. And I started really looking into it. And that's at the beginning, I started my blog, The Poor Swiss, just to track my progress. And then as I learned more and more about the domain, I, I started sharing what I learned in my blog. And this is how it started. And what are the money mistakes did you make in the past? I made many, like everybody. I mean, there's no no problem with the mistakes. You just have to learn from them. As I said, not really considering my savings rate. So I was, as soon as I had like a, a raise at work, was just spending more, which is kind of natural for most people, but in the long term is really not sustainable. And I will think that The other big mistake I did was about investing. In a sense, I started investing very early when I was 20 years old. But then after like, I think seven months only, I, I stopped everything because it was a big downturn in the market and I sold, which was a terrible idea, of course. And then I, it took me close to eight years to go back into investing. That was, I would say that's one of my biggest uh, mistakes. But when you started investing when you were 20 years old, Did you already understand the financial market or how to invest or you just want to try it out? Yeah, that's another mistake. So at, at that time, I didn't understand anything about it. So I was contacted by my banker and he suggested that I had enough money in cash and suggested I started investing, which is a good suggestion. But the problem at this time is I did not understand in what I was reinvesting. I did not understand how to invest. And for instance, I didn't check anything about fees or anything i checked like years later it was funds with like 1.5 fees and load fees on top of that and it was really bad but i really invested without checking anything so it's 
more mindful. Oh, okay. So that's why when the market went down, you were panic, so you started selling. Yeah, I didn't. I did not have like a long term、okay. horizon in front、mm-hmm. of me. I was just considering. Okay, I I lost ten percent. I don't want to lose more. Let's get out. Which which is a thing that I, I I'm pretty sure most people do at some point. But now I would not sell at if I had lost net percent. I would just buy more. Uh huh. Okay. And then you and then after that you learned more about investment and personal finance through your blog or just through you know asking other people or reading books or how did you gain all those knowledge? So I think it all started with my blog somehow. So when I started discovering that my finances were not good, I first learned how to make them better, or to save more, or to earn a little more, and then by Reading one blog after another, I found the subject of investing, and I found it very interesting. So I I tried to learn a lot about it. I also read books about it, and that's when I started to invest myself. And、uh, yeah, it's like really started from a small thing in a small issue in my budget, and then I I learned a ton about investing and personal finance. And from your blogs, I get an idea that you would like to achieve financial freedom. Is it? Yeah. 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 So, I my main goal is to to try to be financially independent, ideally before I'm fifty. I'm not sure I will、uh, retire early at this time, but I would really like to have the option to retire early. So, for me, my plan is to use the four percent rule. So, not necessarily with four percent, but to be able to leave from my investment at some point. So when I will have enough in them, I could start withdrawing, selling shares, and leave from、uh, them these shares. But I'm I'm quite far from it yet. You're you're still quite young, so you have a lot of time. Yeah, I have a lot of time, and also start. I started a little late. If I had realized that five years earlier, I would be in a much better place now. But、uh, now is still much better than tomorrow to start. Exactly. Everybody I talk to, they will say, "Oh, if I knew this, I would have started right away when I started earning." Everybody said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With insight, everything is much more e- much easier. But.、Uh... Hmm. And、uh, what do you think about achieving, like, in your own terms, like financial independence in Switzerland? Is it、um, easier than in other countries? Would you say, or difficult? I would think it's probably more difficult because the amount you need to accumulate is based on your expenses, and life in Switzerland is quite expensive. And even after、uh, you retired, you will have a large net worth, and in Switzerland we pay wealth tax, so you will still pay a significant amount of taxes after you retired because you have a large net worth. So this does not help compared to many countries who don't have this tax. So I think for this, it makes it a little more difficult. On the other hand, it's possible to get some large incomes in Switzerland in some domains. So this definitely helps if you don't spend too much during the accumulation. And we currently have a good enough retirement system, so we could have like a nice social security currently at、uh, 65 years old. Probably later in the future, but if this system stays, it could help having to accumulate less for the years after the official retirement. And also, if people do not have Pillar Three A when they retire, I'm not sure if it's still enough. Is it like sixty percent of your working salary? So, 
the the rule is basically if you only have a first and second pillar you should be covered i think about 70% and then if you contribute the maximum to the third pillar the idea is that you would be covered 100% but of course all this is only available after the retirement age so if you want to retire at 50 you still have to cover at least 15 years in the meantime maybe more in the future so that's where you have to have something outside of the retirement system yeah in a broker account or something like that and to compensate but using like the second and the third pillar of course makes sense because you can optimize your taxes during accumulation and it's still money that is there for for your retirement yeah and not to mention that for people like me who came to switzerland after working a few years in another country then i have a gap as well as people who use second pillar by real estate properties they might have a gap or like a hole in their retirement fund so yeah it could not be enough it's a possibility yeah that's definitely an issue for people that expatriated to switzerland later in life maybe after 10 years of working in another country is you lose as you said you have these gaps but these gaps are actually in each of the three pillars so you will not get the full social security you will you will have some money in the second pillar but only for maybe a few years and then the third pillar will not be as big as it could be either so for these people it makes even more sense to have more money on the side for their retirement because the official retirement will probably not be enough that's yeah. a very good point and we so we mentioned about retirements you you also wish that you could retire at age of 50 if you wish yep. but what motivates you to achieve financial independence before 50 is this is it something just sounds nice so what what is your motivation why you, why why you don't want to work till 65 so for now doing what i do now i could probably work until i'm 65 but the thing is you don't really know what the future has in uh, in stock for you so maybe in in five maybe in 10 years i i hate my job maybe in 10 years my job has been replaced by robots or maybe in 10 years i don't know i i lose i'm not able anymore to do this job and in this case if you're able to be financially independent obviously before that event you have the you can still live your the same life without working and i think that's a very very good uh, like safety net i would say and also like comfort net Yeah so you have your future within your own control rather than depends on external factors okay exactly yes mm-hmm. and that could also be that once you are financially independent you you can do a job that you may not do otherwise because of less income so some people that are financially independent work with uh, charities uh, or things like that or even the same kind of job but in a smaller company that can pay less but that could be more interesting So that's also an interesting option for many people. Yeah, it's the freedom to choose but not depends on your income, yeah. Yeah. And uh, how has your 3-year blogging journey helped you to increase your personal wealth? So, I think most of it is related to what I learned. So, at the beginning I was just uh, relating my 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 journey, my numbers, and then I started learning a lot and I started sharing them. and now when i actually write an article i have to l- learn about it on purpose so learning all about this is very very helpful and 
the blog kind of makes me accountable because each month I, I publish my, my savings rate, uh, how much I spend, everything. It kind of motivates me to keep these numbers good in a sense. I don't want to publish like uh, every month I'm spending more and more money or uh, saving less and less. So it's more to make me accountable. And I think it, it improves my results by being uh, accountable for myself. And what are the typical things you think people can save money from? Or how, how to use money wisely in, let's say, our daily life expenses? I think there are, there are basically two ways to save more. So from the expense side, so either you stop doing some things that cost money. In a sense, that's something most people want to do because that's, that will kind of reduce their, their quality of life in a sense. For instance, not going to the restaurant or going only half the time to the restaurant. This in Switzerland can make a lot of difference because restaurants are very expensive here. But the other way is to pay less for the same thing. And here that thing, that's something that everybody should do. For me, if I can save 10 or 15% on something for the same thing, it does not make sense to not do it. And there are many ways to do it. For instance, insurance in Switzerland, they are pretty expensive, especially the health insurance, and they are all the same. So paying 50 francs more per month for the same thing, for me, does not make sense. And that's more the category on which I focus. So trying not to reduce the quality of life, but uh, paying less for the same quality. And besides that, that, are there any special tips and tricks you are using to be smarter with money? Uh, I, I'm not sure. So I think it's very, one thing you need, everybody needs to start with if they want to increase their expenses, actually to start tracking them. When I stick, speak to people in Switzerland, I think that most of them don't know how much they spend. So they just, at the end of the month, they either slightly higher than zero or zero. And okay, they consider that is good. But if they were tracking what they spend, they would realize like how much goes into some things they don't even need. There are many people pay for things they don't use. You could pay like, I don't know, hundreds of francs per month in Switzerland for TV with like thousands of channels. And But if you, if you only watch TV once a month or once a week, that may not be something you want to pay for. But you really have to have the numbers in front of you to realize that, okay, I'm spending like 2,000 per year on TV. It may not be worth it. Or I'm spending like 10,000 vacation. Do I really need to go that high? And of course, people if people want to spend 10,000 on the vacation, it's perfectly fine. But they need to be aware of the fact of how much it costs them in the long term. I don't think I do something very smart or smarter than others. I'm just trying to look at everything and uh, try to spend less for what I do. But if I were to recommend people to start somewhere, it would be groceries because there are huge disparities in Switzerland between people, what they spend for their food. So if you start cooking at home, first it will make a huge difference. And if you don't only shop like at uh, expensive shop like Manor or Cop, but go to a, a discounter like Lidl or Aldi, you, you can easily divide by two your groceries. That's a simple thing to do, but many people don't even want to do it. Yeah, I think it's also a habit. If you grow up, like in, in Switzerland, people call it a migro kind or a kind. Do you have that in the French-speaking part? 
Yeah, it, it's it's true. There are we have like uh, migro families and cop families. Some family only go to cop. Some family only go to to migro. It's I don't know why, but it's true. I know people that only go to cop. But my family use all, always to go to migro. It's <laughs> it's a way of of life. I don't yes. know exactly why. Imagine the the children were brought up this way, and they were like a migro family. They would never think about, oh, I might shop in Aldi or Lidl. They, they it's just a habit. They just do that, unless they like consciously decide, okay, I want to reduce my expenses, and this is the same, let's say, pepperoni in migro or the same pepperoni in Lidl. They're just two different prices. I mean. The, most of the foods are growing Europe, or they have like a good quality. And sometimes you find Swiss-grown vegetables. I'm very amazed by the quality of food here compared to when I was living in Singapore. Everything was airshipped from other countries. <laughs> yeah, I think, and we have very high standards of hygiene. So even if you go to a even Aldi or Lidl, they have the same rules as Migro, Cop, or Mano, or whatever. So yes, some of it. Is imported maybe more than at Migro and Cup, but uh, personally, I do not really mind eating uh, an Italian chicken rather than a Swiss chicken if I can pay like three times less for it. Yeah, and all these little things matter. So when it accumulates over time, it's actually a huge sum. Yeah, and then that's true. Yeah, and then when you invest them, and then it's even become bigger in the future. Yeah, that that's also a good way to put things in perfect perspective. For instance, if you if you are able to save like let's say 100 Swiss franc each month on your groceries, that's of course that's 1,200 per per year. But if you invest it, you add like maybe five percent on that each year. And after 10 years, it will not be like 10 times 1,200, but it will maybe be 20 times that because of the the compounding uh, interest on the stock market or on any other investment for that matter. So that's something sometimes you don't realize that even a small saving per month can add up to a huge number after 10 or 20 years. Yeah, it's just a change of habit, actually. Sometimes it's in the mind that you're used to it without realizing that what you are doing that, yeah. And now we're talking about investment. What is your investment philosophy? So my investment philosophy is very simple. So I invest only on the stock market and only with uh, passive index funds. So I try to find the, the funds that are the cheapest and that are like very broad. So I don't want to pick stocks like uh, Microsoft or Google. I want to invest in all the stocks in the world, which is what I currently do. And I try to keep it as simple as possible. So I only have two ETFs in my investment. So I have one world ETF and one Swiss ETF and that's it. So every month, once I get my, after I get my salary, I transfer the leftovers into my broker account. I invest into one of these two ETFs and then that's it. So that's all I do. And I think, I think that by keeping it simple and with low fees, that's how I will get the most returns from the stock market. And what do you think are the most common risk conceptions? about investing from people who don't invest? I, th I think the worst one, or not the worst one, the, the most common is uh, people think they don't have enough to invest. And they think you need, I don't know, five or 10,000 per month to invest in the stock market, but that's not true. You can invest with 100 per month. 
of course it will have less impact than if you invest 5000 per month but uh, it will still make a huge difference compared to putting that in a 0% interest rate uh, savings account so investing with little is also a very good way to get started because then you you start seeing the results you don't have to wait years and years and i think that's the worst misconception about investing so of course there are some kind of investing that require more money like if you want to buy an apartment of course if you only have 100 per month it will take you years to get there but if you want to invest in the stock market or in other like alternative investment even a small amount per month or a small starting sum is really worth it yeah and also you mentioned that if people want to invest in apartments you might need a bigger sum but i know that yours recently you bought a house so i like to know how how did you do it how did you managed to buy a house in three years is it three years yeah so and then they'll yeah. because in switzerland just for the, the audience the information that in switzerland you need 20 percent down payment maximum 10 percent is from your second retirement pillar second pillar and then the other 10 percent cash or you know up to 20 percent cash is if you wish so in general the it's very difficult for people to get that gather the 20% part. So what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good question. So maybe just one thing is, so we don't consider a house to be an investment because we are going to live inside it. We are not going to rent it. We, are, we don't plan to sell it in the future. And if we sell it, we're going to end up either buying a new one or renting something else. So that's not an investment, but it's true that it's considerable amount of money that you need to have. So what you said is correct. So you you have you need to have at least 10% in cash. And on top of that, you need probably 5% extra in cash for the notary fees, the taxes for the real estate transaction and things like that. But the other 10% can come from second and third pillar. So this is what we did. We used almost all of our second pillar and third pillar to make 10% and the other 10% was in cash. And for this, we actually sold a large part of our investments. And in, but in three years, it was not that difficult because we focused on that. Each month we are saving almost 50% of our income and we're still trying to improve that. So with a few thousand each month invested in the stock market, you go there in, in three years quite easily because we also didn't buy a one or two million house. We bought a 700,000 house. So it's also not uh, that much, I think, to save in three years. But it, it sure takes dedication because the cash that you save, you don't want to use it for other things. Okay, so the lesson I learned is that monitor your expenses and then reduce the ones that you can reduce and then try to save and then invest. And then with a the goal that you plan to buy a house to live there for some years, and then you will monitor your savings rate and over time, it actually helped you to get there instead of spending unconsciously. Yeah. Did yeah. I summarize it correctly? <laughs> yeah, it's a good summary. So <laughs> the goal of what, what you want to do with your money is important, I think. So we knew we wanted a house. We know even further in the future, we want to, to be financially independent. So having that in mind was important for us. And it's it's honestly become kind of a game 
being able to increase our savings rate. Now we kind of reach the point where our expenses cannot go much further down because we still have to live and uh, there are things we don't want to cut. But once you are done with that and you are investing, you can also focus on the income being either with the side hustles or trying to raise your income at work or trying other things. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, resume. So I have the last question for you. What advice would you give to the audience to improve their personal wealth? So I think I've mostly said it before. So start by tracking your expenses, then start on working what you can improve from these expenses. And then you can focus on investing and trying to earn more. And we have to, people have to realize that even in Switzerland, it's possible to live with less and without necessarily cutting their life. I mean, we haven't cut much from our lives at the beginning. We're just paying less for the same things. And I think that's a smart thing to do that nobody wants to pay more for the same thing, I hope. Maybe some people actually think it's better, but I really hope it's not the case. So that, that will be my general kind of advice. Yeah. And then where can people find you online since you, you write your blog and they can also learn a lot from how to improve their personal finance and all the tips and tricks. Any other places like your so blog? The, yeah. So they can definitely find me on thepoorswiss.com. Okay. I have uh, all my articles there. I share my, my numbers. I, say, I share my journey. And so everything is there. Also on Twitter and Facebook, the link can be found on the website as well. But I'm not that active there. I think the blog is the main way if mm -hmm. people want to contact me or, or read about my numbers or maybe learn from uh, what I share. Okay. Yeah. And also I like it. It's English. So very inclusive. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I will put the links in the show notes. So for people who are interested in improving their personal finance, they can refer to your blogs and there are lots of great articles. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fast Track Podcast. Show me your support by liking this episode and sharing it with a friend. Join the Facebook group at Fast Track Podcast One or you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, the homepage, fasttrack.life. See you in the next episode.